Hey, Sayers, what it do? Totally missed you guys. So I am finished with this semester and finals. Thank goodness. I allowed to get my head discombobulated and cluttered with too much of what I needed and did not need. And as you can see, what today's topic is about, it's part of my issue. So today's episode is going to be a bit different. It's definitely going to run over, but I also am including in today's um, conversation tidbits from people that I admire their opinion, that as well, like me, they do their research so they don't just talk out the side of their head. They actually do research and look into the things that they're talking about and I have three people that I'm actually, no, I'm sorry, four people that I'm plugging in with today. And the whole topic of today's episode is pretty much narcissistics. How you manage to fall in love with them, how you move on, how you set healthy boundaries, how you stay with no contact after it's over, as well as the healing process. Being in a relationship with a narcissistic person is not something that should be taken lightly. A lot of times people look at, oh, in an abusive relationship, you can physically see the bruises, uh, the bruises. But with a narcissistic, some are to the extreme that they do put their hands on you. But for the most part, narcissistics tend to attack your mind mentally and emotionally, they break you. They get you into a training method of how they want you to act, how they want you to look, what they want you to do. And they tear you apart in such a way that you start to feel like you're losing it, that they tell you that you're crazy when realistically what they're doing to you and how they treat you is crazy. What they're doing to you is a thing called gaslighting. And Gaslighting is something that one of the clips that I'll play today talks about as well. We allow people to mentally inject little tidbits of themselves to set triggers and how they harm us. But also a very important piece of what I want to talk about today also is how we manage to allow these people into our lives. I'm not saying that I'm no better than no one else because in the midst of the situation of listening to today's episodes, I'm giving true facts of how I was in a relationship with a narcissistic, how I dealt with it, how I recognized it, and how I recognized one, not just blaming that person for what they did, but recognizing what in me allowed that person to feel comfortable enough to come to me, how I'm growing stronger, moving forward to set healthier boundaries and mean what I say within my boundaries so that I don't allow it to come back and happen again. Scenarios of how I allow it, it to happen and disregarded the red flags, as well as my coping mechanism of moving forward. 
So today I'm not partaking in wine, <laughs> although I did have two shots of Patron prior. I do not have any wine today. I did not step out, but I felt the need to definitely get this episode out because one, I have not talked to you guys in a little, maybe like two weeks or so. And I feel this message is very important, especially with trying to help a friend. I read a really, really neat quote that says, a very strong person is a person that can help people in the midst of them going through their own issues. I don't do it deliberately. It's just the type of person that I am. I genuinely care and I give too much, which is <laughs> a clear flag for a narcissistic to come and find me. But with healthier boundaries, I, as well as my friend, and I hope a lot of you guys too, noticed it, stop it before it starts, as well as how to get past it, unfortunately, if you're already in it. So stay tuned. You either in or out of my life. You either in or out, but what you're not going to do is keep coming in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out at your leisure. Remember back in when you was a kid, your grandma quit running in and out of this house and you letting all the air out of my life by trying to come in and out, opening this door. No, no, no. Either you in or you out. And some of y'all need to make that resolve. You just can't lock the door. That's your problem. You will tell people, if you leave, it ain't no coming back. And then you're going to let them come back. Either they spent their time playing in the fields, playing the fields, seeing what their options are, and then they get rained on, and now they want to come back because it's better inside with you. No, quit letting them in. They got muddy shoes now. They're tracking all that mud back into your life, back into your clean heart. They're tracking all that dirt they got from out there, thinking it was better out there. Now they're coming in with those muddy shoes because they got rained on. They bring the STDs back into your life. They bring it. You either losing problems and baby mamas in your life. They bring it back anger inside your life. Those muddy shoes are tracking because they wanted to go outside and play. They wanted to play. And the reason they wanted to play is because they knew you couldn't keep them back out when, when, when they wanted to come back in. They knew people will come back and forth in your life, not because they love you, but because you allow them to. They know you ain't got the power to keep them out. You don't know how to lock the door. You ain't got that self-confidence to do that. And so you allow somebody, what's wrong with you? You keep asking me, Ace, why do he keep coming back doing this to me? He's so nice. He, 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 he. You keep allowing them to. But you ain't got the self-esteem and self-love it takes to lock the door. You got to lock the door. And yes, it's going to hurt to hear that person banging on the door. Let me in. It's hard out here. Don't that, that, ain't that how it go? They leave you, then they come back crying and shit. Losing problems. I miss you. I miss the things we had. And you hear them banging on the door trying to get back in your life. Even though you locked it, you can't keep it locked because you miss them. And you feel sorry for them. And you hope it's going to be better. But understand something. You told them in the beginning that it was in or out. If you go back on your word, you are reinforcing their behavior. It makes you think they ain't going to leave again. What I'm trying to tell you is this is the in or out in my life. And you got the choice. 
Let me tell you something. Inside this house is, is air conditioning, Netflix, is love, is all the things you need. But if you go out and you want to play the field, understand, it ain't no coming back. Fail! Gotta make that decision. Quit letting people come in and out of your life. Tell them what it is, and they choose to leave, that's on them. But let them know you locking the door once they do. And it ain't opening again. Every time I try to leave, something keeps pulling me back, me back, telling me I need you in my way. Every time I try to call, something keeps telling me that, see that, everything on me, alright. Every time I try to leave, something keeps pulling me back, me back, telling me I need you in my way. It was meant to be. Yeah, I know what this is. That's what it means. We gotta make it. Epic fail. That was my first mistake. Already being in the relationship and to have someone to consistently break up with me off of the simplest thing and me delusional in my head thinking, oh, it's going to be better the next time. You said you were sorry. We talked it out. Just seems like you were having a bad day. So we're good now. We're going to be good. I know it is. It's going to be good. But then a part of me also feels like, how long is this really going to last? How long before you get upset about something else and you leave again? Oh, you need space to yourself. You need a mental breakdown or at least a mental clearance that you need time to yourself. You need to recollect yourself. But we're living in the same household together. So usually that means like you go in one room, I go in another room, or we talk about it like adults. But no, that's not the case. Why is it that, oh, a person can give you a bullshit apology and yet you can still take them back after they left? You chose to leave. Oh, so the little chick that you started messing with is not what she's cracked up to be. Oh, now you remember that I'm resourceful, that I'm a great person, that, oh, you know, you're sorry, that things just didn't communicate well. But this time, you know, things are going to be good. We're going to buy a house together. We're going to get married. We're going to do great things together. Sure you're right. Sure you're right. That's a problem within himself. So the young lady that hit my inbox, I want to thank you uh, because you made some very valid points. We all have to start learning what narcissistic people is and identifying. But I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you from the bottom of my heart. 90% of y'all, it won't even matter if you knew or not. People don't want to hurt. They don't even want to hurt uh, help themselves. Y'all know it. I can say it to one boo in the face. That's a bad guy. Don't date him. Y'all got friends that you, you can point out all the red flags to them, but they still do what they want to do anyway. That's the, I can tell you what a narcissistic person look like. And just because you recognize it, somehow, some way, you're going to flip that into where self-serving that you can still enjoy this relationship only to find out that it was true. And now you sucked in. Most people don't want to hurt help themselves. And that's the problem. It ain't like you just found out. People, weak. 
weak people. Weak people. Ignore the red flags. We seen them. You think just because I'm ace metaphor, I ain't had a bad relationship? I seen the red flags. I was so infatuated with this person. I was so tired of being single. I was so lonely and I had a void to fill that I ignored the red flags. Sometimes we are too interested in the person that we ignore the warning signs that we see. It may be, who are you texting? Something as small as that. Where are you going? In the beginning, we think that's cute. Oh, he must care about me. But then it ain't until we get deeper inside a relationship that we find out those little cute things are actually dangerous things. I just want to tell you this from the bottom of my heart. It's a lot easier to not get into a narcissistic relationship than it is to leave one once you are there. So as much energy as you put into thinking about um, getting to know this person and, and laughing and giggling, it's the same amount of energy. You got to find out about their past. You got to watch actions, not just words. You got to do your homework. You got to let time validate the answers that you find. You have to be sure they are strong enough to have the proper amount of self-control and self-awareness to be able to handle a relationship with you. If you are one of those given persons, then it's absolutely important for you to do that. If you just give, give, give of yourself, people prey on people like you. Everybody want a person like you. Somebody that's naive, that believe everybody got good inside of them. The good girls, they the ones that get preyed on. The one that think that ain't a negative bone in my body is the one I want to prey on. And I hate that I'm telling you to, to view people. I hate that I'm telling you that you got to protect yourself. But in this world, you got to protect yourself. It is always the good people. The ones with honest and giving hearts. The one with not one skeptical bone in their body. The ones that are innocently naive. They get preyed on. It ain't the seasoned vets out here. Trust me, it is not the seasoned vets. It is not the people that been through shit. It is the innocent ones, the young ones. You're 12 years younger than he is and vice versa. That little narcissistic shit don't work on certain people. Certainly don't work on I. <laughs> it don't work on some of y'all. But why did it work on you? So this is going back to the thing. Accountability is so important. As much as you're going to get mad at me when I say that there's something that needs to change about you, that's the truth. If it's always the other person's fault, always the other person being the reason, always this, 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 him, 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 then you'll never look in the mirror and see what about you that you need to change. Even if it's just adding a defense system, Extra steps in the willpower to be able to say no to somebody you like just because they have traits that doesn't seem becoming of somebody that can to be in a relationship with you for 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years. Find somebody you trust like a friend, a confidant, an older person. 
Normally they got some vibes and some intuitions. You can bring that person around and you got to be able to trust their vibes, not dismiss them. Ladies, how many times have your girlfriend told you about that man and you didn't listen to him and you went through that relationship anyway? You got to be able to trust somebody else's opinion because remember, your heart is involved. Infatuation, lust, and all that stuff can be blinding. So these snippets came from a very big YouTuber and Instagrammer. Of course, he's said his name, but Ace Metaphor um, definitely speaks on his growth and how he definitely realizes that at one point he was that fuckboy, per se, that took advantage of situations and being in relationships by wanting more, knowing better, learning better, and wanting to be better and understanding that his heart is just as well on the line as other people's were when he was playing games. Sometimes people can learn to not play games anymore, which is a true benefit because they then understand what they're doing and what they've done because they let their guard down to let people in. And now those people have they've got the chance to feel the pain of being hurt. And for a person that does not take a relationship serious and always just wants to be with people for the benefit of having a person there and not really wanting to commit, when you finally let your guard down and you get hurt, it's crushing to you. It mentally messes you up that, wow, after all this time I didn't play games, now I get myself hurt. Some would describe this as karma. And it, some people it's due, some people it's overdue. I don't wish any harm on anyone, just like I don't wish any harm on any of my exes. But to say that there's only but so much playing around with people's feelings that eventually it catches up with you. In the beginning, there were cute signs, but they were dangerous that I did not pay attention to. Anytime you break up with someone in the matter of a month, first of all, I didn't even know that we were even in a relationship. This child showed up a month after us conversing and talking and say, hey, I want to take you on our one month anniversary dinner. Um, what? Huh? <laughs> I know that I stated that I wanted to be in a relationship and I stated the things that I wanted. I wanted a committed relationship. I wanted to extend my family. I wanted to eventually get married, but I wanted to grow with this person as well. A lot of times we think that we can grow in a relationship, but when we speak of growing in a relationship, we want better things within ourselves to sprout out. If you're always walking on eggshells because things aren't right in your relationship, you'll never be able to focus on the next level of growing. You can't definitely think about growing business-wise together or even individually. You can't focus on the other things in your life because your relationship is, in, is not stable. It's more like a seesaw than a solid rock. And those things is what interfere with your supposedly growth within a relationship. If you're consistently arguing and can't see eye to eye all the time, it, that's a problem. 
You can't focus on the other things. The last thing you want to do is hear what they have to say. And they're not really listening to what you have to say. Everybody's talking, but nobody's really soaking it in and really listening. Finding out about someone's past and validating their actions is a real thing. I heard these stories of these previous relationships and me, (laughs) even down to my son, he hates it, but I can remember a conversation that I've had with you six years ago and I can replay it word for word. Now, my also side effect of that is that I interpret things on my own. I won't lie and repeat back the conversation and then switch the words around. I'm not going to add something else to it, but I am going to tell you how it made me feel and how it made me feel made me interpret something different. So you're telling me that you care about me and you love me, but then tomorrow I'm stupid. I'm not that bright and I'm dumb, but I interpret that as just you're being upset because you showed me that you really did love me. You also showed me that you didn't give a fuck and you didn't respect me also, but mentally I chose to pick and choose which one I was really going to believe. It became to a point that I'm dreaming of this perfect person and this person that I want to be with. And when I wake up, reality is all the things that was done in my dream is not what's done in person. A simple thing of just coming home from work and coming in the house and actually greeting me honestly with a hug and a kiss and say, hey, babe, how was your day? No, I dreamt of it. But instead, I got from the couch Hey, come sit down. Don't worry about cooking. It's okay. Just sit down. Brush yourself for a second. And then it's it's changing me from out of who I am. I am a giver, unfortunately. I am a, a family person. I don't mind coming home from work and feeding my family and saving money instead of spurging it and wasting it or being wasteful. But on the flip side, I have to deal with an argument wondering, why are you calculating my money? I have it. I can do it. Don't worry about it. Let's go eat. But then later, I then got to deal with hearing about what you spent on it. So it's a back and forth, tussling back and forth. But hey, in my head, what I saw was last week when you showed me you love me, you spent some time with me. I had your undivided attention and you were caring and you showed me compassion and it was just the bubbliest thing and my heart was pounding in good pounds and I was great. But I keep ignoring the three days behind it when the fuck I'm tiptoeing around the house because you got a fucking attitude because I picked up behind you. It's not okay when we ignore the little things in the beginning and think that, oh, something's going to change. It's going to get better. No, it doesn't doesn't quite work that way. I was naive to the fact of what I wanted and I wanted to hold on and be so strong and hold on to a, a stable relationship when realistically stable was the wrong word I should use. It was a relationship, but it wasn't stable by far. Not by a long shot. And with me being a person to start to get a glimpse, get a glimpse of, hmm, where would this role and this mindset and this thing lead me? 
When you start questioning things, you want to know a little bit more. I almost felt like I was back in slavery days, sneaking to learn how to read. But instead, I was sneaking and learning about this behavior. I was sneaking and learning about how to get stronger, how to be a better person for myself as well as my son. Because then I'm sitting in a predicament where I'm letting my son watch me tell him the proper way to treat a woman and how he should be treating and courting women and how they are going to feel and doing this and being the man of the house. And yet he also has to look at his mother as the person who he thinks is so strong, get verbally abused not speaking up for herself, not being that strong person that she was before she stepped into this relationship. She voiced herself. She was very opinionated and could back up her opinion. But now she has times of being a mute. There's nothing wrong with my voice box, but yet I allow someone else to smother it. I got so lost into those dreamy dreams and those respective days of great days that the bad days started to be more than the good days. It's seven days in a week and it's only two days that we're having a good day. The other five is fucking hell. But then I'm like, why? Did I accept it in the first place? How did I manage to be a person to say, oh, you know, it's going to be okay. Things are going to get better. And I'm okay with this. Again, sneaking and learning. <laughs> Me sneaking and learning and understanding that this is, this is something that's innate in me in a bad way. I love it when people say, wow, I love the way that you raise your son. He's so respectful. He's so kind. He's so helpful. You have such a genuine personality. You're so kind to people. You're such a giver. You're such an empath. Like your customer service is great. How you treat people, how people interact with you is so great. And yet I get home and I am a complete mute. The same way I have these good traits innate in me, I've also now developed the trait of being quiet, not speaking up for myself, not feeling like my opinion mattered. So I didn't voice my opinion at all. I had too many days of I'm going to be quiet because I don't want to start an argument that I'm not going to participate. You're going to yell, 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 yell at me, but I'm not even going to argue back with you. I have exes that really say like, do you really argue? Do you really like get mad? Do you really know how to express yourself? You can argue at me till you turn blue and green in the face. I'm not gonna raise my voice. I'm not gonna argue. But yet outside, don't yell at me cause I'll yell at you back. Don't disrespect me cause I'll tell you a thing or two in, few, in, in some awful words and then might turn around and talk and talk. But how is it that I'm not secure within the household that I can't speak up for myself? 
This came from me sneaking and learning and realizing that that's innated in me from childhood trauma. I watched my mother consistently get yelled at. Unfortunately, she went to the extent that she was actually even physically abused. But watching such things and seeing her and hearing her scream and yell, whether it was screaming and yelling from the pain of being beat on or whether it was screaming and yelling because she felt like she had to have the last word. So she was still going to argue back things being thrown. Those that was so in me that. As an adult and as I grew up, I said, oh, I'm not getting ready to do all that in no relationship. I'm not going to sit there and argue. But that also didn't mean that it was okay for me to accept other people to yell at me. That doesn't make it okay. I'm not making the situation better by not being like my mom and, and engaging in it. No. I'm so messed up from the trauma of seeing that happen that I call myself that Oh, this is going to die down. This is going to go away because I'm not engaging. I'm not arguing with you. I'm just going to let you argue yourself. This is going to fall off. We good. No. But childhood traumas that we don't recognize that did things to us in our childhood that we carry on as adults, we skip past those things. We don't pay attention to it. So now here I am as an adult being in relationships, allowing my mates to get angry and yell and yell at me. And I'm looking at them like they stupid thinking I'm got I have the big hand sitting there like, oh, OK. Oh, OK. When no, really, it's just a trigger for me to go and hide on the inside like a little girl, like I did when I was little to say, I'm not going to argue that because I don't want it to escalate that that far. Now, I've never been in a relationship where someone actually physically put their hands on me, but in heated conversations, I've definitely been in several relationships where my partner would yell at me and I just look at them like they're crazy or either walk away and I walk out to the next room. They still got so much to say, but me, I'm not helping it by not saying anything at all. I have an opinion. I have something to say. And usually when a person is yelling at you and talking over top of you and trying to prove a point, they're trying to cover up a lie or defend their lie. I refuse to be a human punching bag anymore. I I have learned and all of that sneak learning, that last one, that last relationship, whoo, took me over. I fell over three mountains. <laughs> To get the information and the knowledge and the growth and the positive frequency that I'm in now to realize that, no, if you say something to me, this is going to be an equal conversation. You're going to say what you have to say. I'm going to say what I have to say. And if you don't like it, that's fine. But don't raise your tone at me. That there, it's a boundary. It's no longer a hidden trauma that I'm going to just tuck away under the rug. It's a boundary. Don't yell at me. We can converse together. You, you can have your opinion. I can have my opinion. We can compromise and we can come together and figure out how we can resolve it. But you're not going to yell at me. I'm not going to ignore it and not say nothing at all. We get to this point to where you feel like you have to yell at me. That's it. I'm done. Because you yell at me today and then you're going to yell at me again tomorrow. I can't do that. It's unhealthy for for my aura is unhealthy for where I'm trying to be in line with my own frequency. I can't do it. So if you want to yell or put me down or give me 
the harshest words that you can think to come out your mouth, it, it shuts there. That's it. If we can't talk like civilized adults, then that is the end of our conversation. I can't allow you to keep coming back. Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. And then a week later, I'm stupid. I'm dumb. Or you're yelling at me and belittling me again. No, it's not going to happen. It, it's, it's set. I, I literally wrote down my boundaries. It is a boundary. Don't yell at me. I'm not a child and even a child shouldn't be yelled at. You should be able to have a conversation with a child and not talk to them and feel, make them feel even smaller than what they are to you as an adult. No, I'm no one's child, but my own mother who birthed me. And even now, after a lot of my triggers and traumas come from her, she even knows she's not going to raise her voice at me. So, yeah, trusting people and getting vibes from healthy people around you. Those are the type of people that you need around. And I had literally I had a friend to tell me in the midst of one of our big blow ups to say, this this is not right for you. This is not you. You're different. You, you seem different. You move now out of state. Y'all move together. I can't even see you anymore. I can't feel your aura. I can't, I can't connect with you. I need to see you more to know what you're going through and how you're feeling. I don't feel like she's right for you. But I'm like, eh, it's okay. No, it's not. Oh, but you never talk about your feelings. Let's talk about how you, what's going on with you. How you doing? My favorite line I'm okay. It's good. You know, every relationship has their thing, but we good. That's a lie. I refuse to continue to tell myself. FYI, that's on my boundary sheet. I will not lie and say I'm okay when I'm not okay. If I have to lie to people who love me, who genuinely really do love me, and they want to know how I'm doing, and I have to lie to them, this ain't the relationship for me. That there, another boundary for me. It's another one of the things I snuck off and learned. Little by little, I learned how to get back to not the person I was before that because I didn't want to be that person because that person was weak and allowed you to come in. And I don't want to be that same weak person anymore. I'm not going to be that same weak person. I will not be manipulated and let someone just come and tiptoe in and disguise themselves, put on a good mask and think that it's going to be okay. You're going to stay at a distance for a good amount of time before I can let you in. No, it's not a hurt wall. It's a protection for myself. I need to know that I'm going to be okay. I need to know that in your presence, I get a good vibe from you. But at the same time, people who love me understand that, okay, this is a good connection for you. Old people and children will tell you the truth because they have a negative 65 fucks to give. They, oh, Children, they don't know. They're going to tell you, your breath hot. Nope, I'm not gonna tell you that because I don't want you. I don't want to hurt your feelings. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna interject and I'm gonna tell you something 
close to it or off of something. Because, again, tiptoeing and I'm stepping on eggshells. Thing of my past. Well, I tell you, this boundaries list is real. (laughs) It sounds crazy. It sounds obsessive. But my heart is something to obsess over. This was a learning point for me. This last one was the the icing (laughs) on a 10-story cake that I had no business getting a bite off of every layer. It was it. It was it. <laughs> and now I know for me and separating my traumas from my past, things that trigger me to allow it or shut down from it and things that I choose not to accept going forward. I had to put the time and invest in me. And I'm still doing that same time to invest in me as to what I will and I will not accept. So this next person, her name is Margaret. She's big on Instagram and YouTube. Her Instagram and YouTube is called Inner Integration. She talks about how we should avoid or at least how we acknowledge what the steps are of how a narcissistic repeats the cycle of trying to get back in and how we should avoid it. So knowing what to expect from hoovering and what to do could save you from falling back into more abuse. This is usually how it goes. Test one is sweetness. They start the hoovering process all sweet and seemingly vulnerable, maybe even with a pity ploy. They'll tell you something that you want to hear, or they'll act like they're sorry and they can't live without you and it's just so hard without you. In this first test, they're going to try to pull on your heartstrings those strings of compassion and love. If that doesn't work and your boundaries are solid, in other words, you don't budge on your stance of breaking up or you ignore them, etc., they will quickly shift into test number two. Test number two of hoovering is meanness. They'll tell you how you're not good enough. They'll suddenly adopt a 180-degree point of view about something or about you, or something about something that happened that they told you earlier in the relationship, or even earlier in that texting conversation when they were praising you and being sweet with you and agreeing with you, and now they're saying just the opposite. They will degrade you. They will show off their superiority by trying to tell you how they're better than you somehow. They'll often sandwich all that in-between phrases like, I just want the best for you. Or, I'm only sending you positive vibes. Or, I have the best intentions in my actions. Or, I'm only telling you this because I'm worried about you. And of course, this will piss you off to no end. Or worse yet, it might confuse you into believing them. Do not respond. If your boundaries withstand test number two, then they will move on to test number three. Test number three of the hoovering process is the grand finale. This is when they go after what hurts the most. They go for the jugular. They often know what most matters to you, and they will try to destroy it for you. 
For example, if they know that being a parent and being a good parent is what gives you purpose in life and how much you enjoy that, they'll accuse you of being an awful parent or they'll remind you of some failure that you had in the past in parenting. If they know that your work is what gives your life meaning, then they'll tell you that you're no good at what you do and that you're actually hurting people instead of helping them. And by the way, you can watch a narration of a real life example of that in a video from last year called Leaving the Narcissist Before the Discard. If you're planning on leaving the narcissist, most definitely be prepared for the hoovering. And that hoovering might come the very next day, which is what happened in those text messages. So if you're worried about that, check out that video because you're going to get a lot of insight. I go through and I analyze all the text messages. So this grand finale, this test number three of hoovering, this is also the part where they fabricate stories of things like everybody thinks that you're crazy or everyone says that you're a bad parent, or you're a weirdo, something's wrong with you, right? They're going to say things like this so that you feel alone and isolated. They'll even say they talk to your friends and families and everybody agrees, but they're usually just fabricating all of this. They're doing this so that you doubt yourself, so that maybe, just maybe, you're going to feel that false sense of guilt or shame that they want you to feel because when you're in that low vibrational state, that's when you can fall back under their control. When you're in a high, strong, confident, clear state, you are not going to fall into the abuse. So be very careful not to internalize these messages that the manipulator is saying. This is the grand finale test because by now, it got so bad that either you got the point that this person is not only not someone that you don't want in your life, but they don't deserve any open channels of communication to you. You're beyond done. Or the manipulator has given up their attempts to suck you back because you're maintaining no contact the entire time. They don't even know if you're getting their messages. So they have to move on to a more reliable supply source. So sometimes we wait for this level of hoovering, for the manipulator to reveal themselves so fully so that we can assure ourselves that we made the right decision to leave. But be careful because if you're hanging on and leaving that channel open up to this point, you're taking a great risk. So something that truly blows me, when a person that supposedly left your life sends you a random text message, email, a DM, a Facebook message, a freaking blimp across your parking lot around the time that you pull up at home so that you see the message. Starting off with something nice and sweet or just a random out of nowhere. Hey, did your mother ever figure out that store that she was trying to find those um, pottery pots from? Say what? Why are you, why, 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 why? I've already dealt with the, I get it. You don't want to be with me. It's over. Leave me be. But a dumb random message. Oh, my bad. I was trying to call the kid. No, the kid has a separate cell phone from my cell phone. I'm not going to break that connection that you grew with my son. So call his phone. 
He has the same telephone number. Call him. Don't trigger me into thinking like, oh, here comes the attention. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you for being concerned. And you want me to be vocal back with you. No. But yet, in the beginning, I say around breakup three or four of the same relationship, I probably still fell for that. I'm not going to lie. I did. Or either I was dumb enough to even send the first message. Because I don't know how to let go. But that's where I opened up the can of worms. By responding. Giving contact back, period. Or... We're in the midst of an argument and I don't give you the right attention that you want via text message and I'm at work. Why do people want to argue and disturb your mindset while you're at work? You know, goodness, well, I can't give you back what you need because I'm supposed to be focused and paying attention at work or I'm going to lose my job. I can't keep texting you back because you want to keep sending hurtful shit, text after text after text when it is that I'm at work. Aren't you supposed to be on the clock too? Why are we even having this argument through text message? Why do you keep calling my phone while I'm at work? No. But yet when I get home, it's either you want to yell at me or you want to then not talk about it at all. No, let's talk about that shit I almost got fired for. What is all this about? You still mad? Dang Get a cape. You super mad. You big mad. Get like, what? What What do you want to do? We just got back together last week. So you want to break up again? Okay. After a while, there are no more tears. You get tired of crying over the same thing. And me sneaking off and learning. This new me and this trying to grow is like, do we really have to cry about that again? Didn't we cry about that last time? Wait a minute, let me check the repertoire. Yup. Yeah, she called you stupid last time. Yup. You didn't know how to, you was incompetent. You didn't know how to, but you managed to get through that. But she's not going to praise you for getting through it. She's just going to still call you stupid again for something else. Oh yeah, you stupid. Oh, wow. What? No. Oh, my bad. You're going to go on a group chat with all of our mutual friends or reach out to other people to try to get some type of conversation or interaction with me. No, no. Everything has to be completely shut off. There's no little small talks and this, that, or the third. Oh yeah, we can be friends. Well, you know, we can cordially have conversations, but when I show you that I'm trying to grow and that I don't want to go back, and yet you still want to suck me in with the sweet stuff. The new me is pushing hard to stop repeating those same patterns. You're interfering with my flow. Sweetheart, you need to go. Trent Shelton. He goes by Mr. Rehab Time. Instagram, as well as YouTube. Powerful young man. Definitely gets his point across. Don't let them gaslight you. That's when they try to make you feel like you're crazy. 
for not putting up with their craziness. That's when they try to make you feel like you're the problem when all they do is bring problems. That's when they tell people it's your fault so they never have to be at fault. Understand, some people will try to convince you that you're a bad person so they don't feel bad about the things that they did to you. That's why they try to become the victim when you were the one that was victimized. That's why they try to make you feel guilty when they were the ones that was guilty. That's why they try to make you apologize for doing something wrong when you did nothing wrong. Don't let someone turn the tables on you. Don't let someone make you take credit for their mistakes. Don't let someone make you apologize for their behavior. Listen, the blame is not yours to accept. So stop allowing their twisted, manipulative ways to make you accept it. Straight up. But like I say that in every single video, it all starts with you. Please share this. An annoying thing that I noticed about myself that I started doing was apologizing. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you had a bad day at work. I'm sorry if it hurts. I'm sorry your hair didn't turn out the way that you wanted it when you went to that salon. Oh, goodness. I'm I'm sorry that you forgot to turn the light out. I'll do it. Like, what the fuck am I apologizing for stuff that's out of my control that I had nothing to do with? Why am I apologizing? But it was a habit. It was formed. It was there. And it was annoying. I look now and I say, that was so annoying. You can't fix and you can't control everything. So why are you apologizing for something that you did not do? You dropped the light bulb. Dag, the glass splattered. A piece hit you. I apologize for that. That was not my intent. That's something you can apologize for. But you dropped the glass and now it needs to be picked up. I am apologizing. Oh, hell no. Like when I think about the things that I allow and the things that I conform to, it's quite annoying to myself. I'm to some degree, glad that I did not allow my friends in and converse and tell them so much because they probably would have knocked some sense into me sooner, which is a good thing, but they would have been annoyed with me. Looking at the things that I allowed and what I did, I'm annoyed with myself. I'm annoyed with myself. I allow someone to gaslight me and, and hit triggers and do things for me to uh, uh, jump to fix. Uh, uh, let me grab it. Uh, but then now you're mad because I tried to fix it. Shit, I'm damned if I do. I'm damned if I don't. So this last person is actually an author as well as a big commentator on Instagram as well as on YouTube. His name is Derek Jackson, I'm sure. A lot of you guys have heard of him, but um, I actually wanted to play an, an insert from one of his books, which definitely hit home because it totally describes how I got lost. It says, the truth was she had unconditionally loved me in action form. 
And with every day that she did, she loved herself less. Because deep down, she knew she deserved better than the things I'd begun doing. She allowed herself to tolerate so much of my disrespect for the relationship that it ate at her original identity and nestled its way in as part of what she taught herself was normal. Without condition, she continued to love me and it cost her, her, it cost her herself and that's when she became someone else. When my friends started recognizing that I was different and I still tried to blow it over, I knew I had an issue. But again, I tucked it under the rug because I wanted to hold on to my relationship with this person that, you know, those two days, one week I might do good. We might have four good days. I allowed this person to, yes, be disrespectful, to come up with ridiculous, unhealthy boundaries. I remember one point she actually said, oh, I talked to my counselor and my counselor said that we shouldn't have sex for three months. Well, it's already been a month already. When were you going to tell me about you talking to a counselor? Lies. A narcissistic will lie to you in your face and will stick to the story. They put the story in their own head and run with it so hard that it's impossible for you to change their mind and tell them something different. We had an open conversation before about previous exes of the both of ours and the story that she described of me that should have been a red flag for me is that when we first started dating, she had just finished chasing after someone else that was out of her league that obviously was hit to the BS because clearly she didn't allow it in. She made herself so busy and intertwined in her life and her goals that she didn't have time for the BS of somebody playing games with her heart and not being real with themselves. But, hey, you know, my ex is, is definitely perfect. Flaw, no flaws. But any flaw that I had was definitely brought to the forefront as something wrong or something that can be fixed or altered and changed. Why do I need to be changed? What was it about me that you liked in the first place that even made you want to keep coming around and sticking around to where so now you feel like I need to be changed? I'm not a tire. I can't just be swapped out. And my genuine personality is something that definitely sticks with you. So you're in or you're out. You like me for who I am or you don't or you just keep moving. People, when you acknowledge to a person what you want out of a relationship, and yet they tell you a couple pieces that they may want it, but their actions show you something different, believe it. Some people just want to have that control of knowing that they can have you back when they feel like it. That type of cockiness is unhealthy for your heart because you're ready to settle down. You're ready for your relationship to be on a solid foundation, and yet they still want to play on the seesaw. My heart can't be a seesaw. And beyond what a person is trying to do on the outside, it then starts to reflect on the inside. 
Because one day your mind is up and your heart is down. The next day your heart is up and your mind is down. It's unfair. You can't grow and you can't move on forward with something new within your relationship if every time you turn around there's an argument or you're breaking up or you're being belittled, you're being talked about like a dog in front of your face, or even a conversation is being had outside of the house that you're not even a part of. How are we having issues in the house and you can't talk to me, but yet you can talk to other people outside? I feel like sometimes we allow too many outside people within our relationship because we can't even talk about it first. It came to a point of the back and forth and the back and forth that I realized I'm tired of going around the corner back to the bullshit, back to hurt and pain. I not only want to go up the street, I want to go up to the next block and then around the next corner to the left. I don't want to keep going backwards behind the corner, around the corner to the right when all you want to do is keep hurting me at your convenience. And you don't want to take me serious. And you don't really want to be in a relationship with me. L-I-G it, bruh. Let it go. I'm going to let go of the dream of something actually working after the 14th breakup. Or the, the idea that you just had a bad childhood. So therefore you need to be loved. I can't love a person more than they love themselves anymore. It's draining. I forget how to love me because I'm trying to show you love so much. And yet all I get back is a slap in the face to say, you don't even know how to love right. You never even had real love. How you going to tell me my love is wrong? But we let people get so into us and maneuver the furniture around within us that we walk in the door and we don't even know it. We're taking off our shoes, being polite, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. No, I'm not excusing, excusing and apologizing. Now I need my own space. So I know that where I put the furniture at, it's a healthy place for me. Where I set these boundaries and what I, how I want my dishes in my cabinet, it's comfortable for me, not you coming in and wanting to put cups in the cabinet with the plates and telling me that that's the way you want it. So that's the way it has to be. And now I have to apologize for doing something that was comfortable for me. I've learned to handle my boundaries a lot better. All that sneaking off and learning the new me and the old me were struggling back and forth, back and forth. How many times are we going to keep going back to the stuff that's not making us healthy? It's not even a comfort zone no more because it's not even comfortable. And the new me is like, but we learned all this. We're learning how to deal better with this. We're learning how to do this on our own. We're learning how to grow. Remember that time when we moved out on our own when we were 19 and with a baby and we did it on our own all these years? Remember the time your child looked up to you and said, my, you are the best. Not because you gave them something or because it is that you took them somewhere that they wanted you to take them, but because they genuinely looked at you in your face and said, you are the best. 
Our children can definitely uplift us, but they also take on the burden of our pains. And I was refusing to allow my son to keep sucking in some of my pain and some of my trauma and adding it on to him just to as well walk on eggshells. No. No. Gain back your stability mentally and emotionally to know that I don't want to go back around the corner on the right where the pain was. I want to look forward. I want to go two blocks up and to the left to make sure I don't see your ass no more. I don't want you calling me. I don't want you texting me. I don't want you emailing me. I don't want you to send a message through my kid, through the neighbor. I don't want you leaving no post-it notes on the car. I don't want nothing. And to say I'll never find anybody like you, I pray that I don't. Growing and knowing your own happy space beyond a relationship is so important. And I'm so glad that I know things and I remember things that made me happy before. But I also know so much more than before to not revert back to that same person. Every day is a struggle. Every day is a healing process. Narcissistic abuse is real. And mentally, I try not to let it continue to control me, but it's real. It's there. It happened. But moving forward, eh, it's not going to keep happening. No. I can't talk about, oh, I'm here for change or, oh, I want to be different and I want to grow better and yet still do the same things. My boundaries are different and I mean them this time. I want to share this last thing with you guys of another woman that is dealing with the the aftermath. Because even after getting out the relationship, you have to reprogram yourself that the things that this person told you you had to be or you had to do or things had to look like this doesn't make you happy. So you have to do it on your own. It's still a continuing process. She posted, my ex used to use the silent treatment as a way of punishment. He knew how bad my anxiety was and wouldn't respond to me for days at a time. Now when people don't answer me, I immediately panic in fear. Emotionally abusive relationships really fuck you up, even years later. And this person is out of the relationship. It's been over. And yet, of course, I totally think that it's something within a a previous trauma, but it still continued within this relationship that the aftermath is still there. The idea of someone ignoring you is a trigger for you because that was a way that you were programmed into abuse. Pro people. If you never knew that narcissistic abuse was a real thing, Look it up because it is what people go through. They need that patience afterwards. You can't come at someone who's actually moving forward to be stronger after the abuse the same way as you would go at someone 
that you're trying it on for the first time or someone that has not been abused. The mood, the sway, things are so much different. Be patient. Understand them or get to know them. When someone tells you they have a boundary, respect their boundaries. And I remember a time when I felt bad because I thought that I was being disrespectful to my ex's boundaries. But in all, realistically, I was reacting properly to something that was just thrown out of the blue. I can't just all of a sudden say after leaving things sitting around and watching you consistently pick it up behind me, that now I say, this makes me uncomfortable. Why do you pick my things up off the floor? Why did you keep putting things on the floor when you don't like that I pick them up? Don't put them there in the first place. You're one looking for me to pick them up because you know that this bothers me. But now all of a sudden it's a boundary. Don't touch my things. That's not a healthy boundary to just throw in on somebody after you've already been together and after the fact. Speak up. Be opinionated. Your opinion matters just as much as the next person. Don't allow a person to silence you. First thing you need to do is to cut off all contact. That means email, phone, Facebook, Instagram, don't matter. And also let your family and friends know not to relate any information or messages back to you through him. Because once he realizes that you're cutting him off, he's going to try and harass them and contact them as a way to get to you. You see, even after the relationship ends, he's going to have two main priorities, which is one, keeping contact with you, and two, making his presence felt by you, which ultimately serves as number one prerogative, which is to keep control over you. So more than likely, you're not going to make a big PSA because it's going to take you by surprise at what lengths he'll go. But whenever your family and your friends and even your business associates start hitting you up, telling you how he's texting them, he's contacting them all crazy hours of the night, he's spamming their comments, he won't leave them alone, you apologize for that, apologize for what he may do, but make it clear that you have nothing to do with them, his actions are not your burden, and it's hurting you, not helping you, that they're allowing themselves to be tools that he can use to reinsert himself back into your space and request that they stop. And if they really love you, if they really care about you, they'll oblige. And you see, this is important because just like trying to deal with any other wound or injury or treat any illness, you first have to remove the part that was causing the problem before you can effectively heal. Like if you're trying to treat cancer, you have to remove the tumor. If you're trying to treat a, a knife wound or a bullet wound, you have to remove that knife or that bullet before you can effectively heal. When trying to heal from loving, trying to understand the narcissist, trying to pinpoint what actions of yours or what you could do to love that man out of his disorder, in order to heal from that, you have to remove that man or else he's only going to make it worse. Now, in some situations, you will be forced to continue interacting with him because y'all were married and you're going through a divorce or because y'all had kids together and you're trying to co-parent. So it's not always so cut and dry. But in those cases, it's more of a case by case, depending on the circumstances. But I will say this. No matter what the interaction is, you need to no longer approach things from an emotionally authentic standpoint and start approaching things from an emotionally strategic standpoint, thinking strictly in terms of what's in your best interest and your kids' best interest. And being emotionally strategic means before you have any interaction with him on any level, you go ahead and predetermine what direction the conversation is not allowed to go. And of course, you stick to that. 
and to pre-commit to not emotionally engaging with him, being vulnerable, opening up to him, letting him know how much his actions are hurting you and affecting you. Because by taking away the opportunity for him to convince you that he cares, you subconsciously accept the fact that he doesn't. And it's all going to remove the leverage that he has to continue hurting you on that level. So the second thing you have to do after a relationship with a narcissist, and this one is simple, so I'll be brief, but its impact is grossly underestimated by so many women. You have to manufacture a positive environment around yourself. Because there's a saying that where your focus goes, your energy flows. However, the mistake a lot of women make is they try to move on with their normal to-do after removing the narcissist from their life, not realizing that that relationship was a huge part of their life and it's going to leave a huge hole there. And as humans, we tend to try to fill that hole with recurring memories and thoughts of what went on in our past, fighting mental battles that physically we're not even in anymore. We just have an inclination to indulge on the negative. And no matter how much you think about it, no matter how much you try to mentally explain it away, it's not going to help you. The only thing that's going to help you is switching to programming by clinging to supportive people, support groups, whether online or in real life, indulging in passion projects, things that fulfill you, hanging out with your kids, doing things that you guys love. You have to create an atmosphere that pours love back into you if what was in your past almost run you dry. You see, by immersing yourself in that positive energy, it gives you a chance to see that the feelings associated with that relationship was just a moment in your life, not the characterization of the definition of your entire life. Like, this is the part where the puppeteer begins to lose its power because you're sniffing the strings of the omnipresence it has on your subconscious. The third thing every woman needs to do in order to heal from a narcissistic relationship, and I really hope y'all get this one, because I see so many women doing the exact opposite. But as a woman, you need to learn to have compassion with yourself. Like, take it easy on yourself. So many women beat themselves down, but you had enough of that in your past relationship. You need to build yourself up going forward. Allow yourself to have been human, to have made the mistake and, and taken the risk of letting somebody get your trust who didn't deserve it, that took advantage of it. While understanding it doesn't define your intelligence, it doesn't define your worth, it damn sure doesn't define all men. It was that person's fault and that person's responsibility only. Like, no matter how bad it got, you're not damaged goods and you're not a finished product, which means you'll probably make more mistakes in the future, which is OK. You'll learn from them and you'll get back stronger and better than ever again. If need be, don't be too proud to go and seek out professional help from a mental health professional. Like, you don't have to do this alone. But at the end of the day, no matter how long you were in that relationship, no matter how much it hurts you, the fact that you're watching this video is proof that it didn't beat you. It didn't win. So give yourself some credit for that. And it is a wrap. I know you guys are like, whoa, over an hour. Really, T? <laughs> but I feel like everything that was shared today was definitely nuggets that can be taken and used, whether in conversation with someone else that you notice is going through these type of things, or whether you are ready to recognize it yourself and grow and leave with no contact and know that you are enough and you can be a better person for the next person that you choose to be with. But first, be a better person for you. Understand your triggers. Understand the previous trauma that put you in the situation. Understand what it is about you and your past that allowed such a toxic person in your life. Again, do your research, guys. It's definitely out there, whether it's Instagram, the internet, Pinterest, like it's there. 
it's it's totally there. You have real life psychiatrists talking about it in numerous videos on YouTube. Like the information is out there. We can't consistently say as adults, oh, I didn't know. Oh, I didn't know. No, you can't fall on that same line. The same way that we can pick up our phones and check Instagram before we brush our teeth. Yes. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I know you do. Like the same way we do that is the same way that we can totally look into how to better in ourselves, how to strengthen us mentally, emotionally, and even physically. Someone asked me before, what makes me say, just say it. That is a part of my growth, my change, my improvement of myself. To remind myself to not bite my tongue when I have an opinion and my opinion matters. Even if we decide to agree to disagree, I still have a voice and I still should be able to speak. I should be able to express myself and I should be able to talk. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm just going to say it. I can't be selective as to who I'm going to be sarcastic and direct with. The same way it is that I can give people an honest opinion is the same way it is that I can honestly communicate in my relationship and not allow myself to be verbally abused. Any tidbits on today's episode, guys, if you want to talk about previous history or something that you're going through now, I actually have a couple of YouTubers that are really heavy into narcissistic abuse and getting help and moving forward. So definitely hit me up either via email at mytalkingheart2017 at gmail.com. Hit me up by phone or text at 346-306-1010 or definitely follow my content on Instagram. It's not all about narcissistics, but it definitely sprinkles around there because that's something that I'm healing from. And to share the information is key for me. I'm a giver. So I'm going to give you information. So my Instagram my underscore talking heart. As always, guys, talk from your heart. And yes, I'm going to say it again. (laughs) Just say it. Pursuing all my goals. Living out my dreams. So what's important to me? My focus is on proving. And every day is a bright day. The purpose has done. Yeah. I have some doubts. Yeah. I had some tears. Yeah. I was all alone. Yeah. I squashed all my fears. To say I didn't know what I would do without you. If I could make it without you, but I'm doing better without you. Yeah. yeah. Happy, 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 happy,